end of Job. Job 42. Going to the end of Job. We've been Sunday mornings using a verse out of the first chapter of Job. But there's something I saw here today. I think it was my wife that said something about just being excited about the Word of God and enjoying it more than ever. And I was reading the Bible this week. I think it might have been yesterday. I was reading this chapter and something stood out to me that I had never quite seen it quite like that before. And just excited me so much more. Amen. So let's got Job 42. If you have it, say amen. Let's ask God to help us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your presence here. Thank you for your help, Lord, in this service already. Believe in, Lord, that you have just loosed heavy burdens. God, that you have strengthened us already, God, in this service. And God, we're asking you to help us, Lord. Lord, help us anoint your word, God. And through your word, do a work in us, Lord, because there's so much work to do in this community. Lord, we want to shine your light. Have your way tonight, God. Have your way tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Job 42. Job 42, verse 1. Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore, have I uttered that I understood not? Things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eyes seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. I'm going to let you be seated. God bless you. I want to title this tonight, Pray For Me. Pray For Me. Here, we see Job. We've talked quite a bit about Job and what an amazing book it is. I mean, a righteous man. A man that's real. A man that is just, uh, there, there, there's no uh, double-mindedness in him at all, is there? He loves God. And God is so excited about what he is Seeing in Job that when the devil comes around, God starts bragging about Job. God calls out the devil and says, you don't have nothing in him. Amen. He's mine and he loves me and he don't want nothing to do with you. Hallelujah. Well, the devil talks about taking that hedge down and says, you know, Job is only a fair weather friend. See, if he goes through some things, he's going to curse you to your face. He likes how you bless him. Can I tell you, I like how God blesses me too. But no matter how difficult it might be, no matter how tough your day might be, keep trusting God. Keep loving God. Keep knowing that God is working all things together for good. Amen? And Job had to learn that lesson. Job... The Bible says at the very beginning of his test that he does not charge God foolishly. He does not sin and he does not charge God foolishly. And his wife even comes to him and says, curse God and die. And he says, that's foolish. And he worships God in his suffering. But what happens in those 
chapters after that is there there's almost if you would a study of of different ideas of why is something so bad happening in the life of a child of God we'd like to think that once you come to the Lord just everything is blessed and everything goes well but we can't look around and see that happening Job's friends they come to him and they say a lot of things that, you know, some of that is pretty good in its right place. But what they do is say, hey, listen, Job, suffering comes because you are being chastised. You are being punished. You have done wrong. You have somehow you've sinned. And, and in their hearts and their minds, they even talk about having dreams and visions and spiritual experiences. God spoke to me about you. I feel it. There's sin underlying that nobody else knows about. And they start, they see his grief over the death of his family, his pain, his loss. And they, rather than show compassion, they say, you know what, Job? God's gone easy on you. If you got what you really deserve, it'd be twice as bad as what you're experiencing now. And Job starts to get into a place where he, he stops defending God and starts defending himself. He begins to justify himself to the point where he feels like God has done him wrong, that God has somehow made a mistake. And, and in some ways, if, if, if he's righteous and God's made a mistake, well, he's really starts elevating himself above God in his self justification. As he defends himself, he starts to say, God has come against me, and God's come against me for no reason at all. And he's so amazing and so almighty, I can't even, who am I? I'm just a worm. I can't go in front of him and defend myself. But as we come to this place where Job is talking to the Lord and said, I've uttered things I didn't understand. I should have shut my mouth. I said things that I shouldn't have said. Because there is a, a fourth man there, a younger man, that begins to say, Job, listen, God is God, and we don't understand everything he does. And we sometimes have to go through some tests and through some valleys. But he's good, and you've got to trust him. He's going he's gonna to bring you through, and he's got a plan. When it's all said and done, you're going to see he's good. I know you don't understand what you're facing right now, but hold on. When it's all said and done, you'll realize he's awesome and you've learned and you've grown. And God's got a plan in it. We don't always understand. And as this young man is defending God, then all of a sudden God just steps into the picture and says, Okay, Job, you want to talk to me? Let's talk. Where were you, Mr. Wise Man, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you when... When all of creation was was beginning, was was been brought into into being through through my word. And and where were you when when I began to set it in order and set it into motion? And 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 let me tell you, I've got a plan so much greater, so much vast than you ever could comprehend. And we come to the end here, this very rich teaching in the word of God and. And Job says, I, I, 
you got me. I'm, I'm sorry. I repent. The Bible says, and I've quoted this, I've read it many times in verse 10. Before this book ends, God turns the captivity of Job. That means he heals him. And he changes his situation. He, he, he begins to bless him. Where, where the enemy came in to steal, kill, and destroy, God has turned things around again and begins to bless him more than he ever was blessed to begin with. The Lord gave him twice as much as he had before, it says there. But there is a phrase here in the middle that we have used many times over. The Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Now there's a principle here that we see in the word of God. And I want you to know that I'm not taking anything away from this. When I tell you there's more going on here than what I realized But when we can stop pointing to ourselves and stop defending ourselves and let God be God and focus on ministering to others. Focus on doing the will of God that the gifts and the ability is even though you're struggling, you're fighting some battles. But God can do great things for you when you start giving yourself away. When you start blessing, I know the devil likes to get us tangled up in all of our worries and anxieties and, and, and all the things that, that cause us to wonder why isn't somebody saying this or doing this for me and helping me. And maybe, maybe God's saying, you know, you're, you're a big boy, you're a big girl. You're going to be all right. I've got this taken care of. You're, you know enough about me that, that you're going to be fine. Just go ahead and pray for somebody. Just go ahead and help somebody. Oh, but I need help. Oh, you're getting your help. You're going to be all right. But there's somebody that needs to know that I'm faithful. And somebody needs to know that that I'm able. And you already know that. Go ahead and tell them. When we can begin to look outwardly. When we can begin to, to love like Jesus loved. To pray, to to give, to sacrifice, to bless. Amen? God starts working through us. Let me tell you, he'll pour his spirit in us. We're going to benefit in that. You're going to benefit every time you start looking around and saying, how can I fulfill the need? Amen? I've preached that so many times and still believe it today, that God never, never wants us to... Now, I'm not saying we can't pray for ourselves. I'm not saying we can't just just reach out to God and say, Lord, I need some help right now. But watch your focus. Don't yeah. make make sure you still letting God work through you, even in your valley, yeah. even in your trial. When Job prayed for his friends, that's when his captivity was turned around. Amen. Amen. But I want to show you something that challenged. I feel like I, I'm going to say this. It's been on my heart all day long. I. I don't know that everybody's just going to like this. And somebody's sitting there saying it's not going to be the first time. Let me tell you, it's not going to be the last time. But I want God to like it. And I really do believe that, that, uh, that God likes it. <laughs> and he wants us to see this. Listen, Job prayed for his friends, right? Let me tell you something I've never seen before. Maybe you've seen this. God bless you. 
But God did not say to Job, okay, Job, I heard that your repentance, I, I, I hear you now, you get it. You finally got this through your skull. Now you go and pray for those guys, and I'm going to heal you. That's not how this unfolded. Job 42, verse 7, says after Job repented, after he said, um, I, I, I said things I shouldn't have said, I, I, they were too wonderful for me, too, too, I, I said things, I, I just didn't really understand what I was going through, and I spoke out of place, God. Verse 7 says, and it was so that after the Lord spoke, had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliaphaz the Temanite. Now this is one of those guys that sat by, remember, God was bragging on Job. Job was a righteous man. Job wasn't, well, let me be careful how I say this. The Bible says Job was a perfect man. But that does not mean that he was incapable of stumbling. That doesn't mean that somehow, like, I've had people come to me and say, I just believe that, that this Bible teaches that we need to reach a place of, on this wor- in this world of sinless perfection. Yeah. Yeah, there's too much in this Bible about mercy that we need. There's too many places that talk about a righteous man falling seven times and, and all these things. That, but, but I do believe, and, and, and First John talking about, you know, if we sin. Amen. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He was perfect in a sense that he was real. And, and when he learned his lesson, he got back up again and said, okay, God, I was wrong. I want to be right. Let's, 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 uh, let's make this right. I'm not going to drag my feet on it. But Eliaphaz was one of those three friends that came by and said, Job, you are reaping something that you've sown. The disciples did something like that. You remember that? They came to Jesus and said, this man was born blind. Um, did he sin? Well, if he was born blind, that must have been quite a, what kind of sin can, a, I don't know, maybe not even a newborn baby, I guess, if he was born blind. Commit that God would say, I'm going to strike you blind because you've sinned. Did his parents sin? I mean, how they're trying to figure out. I mean, he's born blind. He had to be a sinner. Somebody sinned. That's, be, that's where, the, where problems come. That's where suffering comes because of sin. And he said, no. No, no, guys. Come on. He should have said, did you ever read the book of Job? No, I think he did it right. Yeah. <laughs> so he said, this is the glory of God. Is going to work through this. Yes, sir. This is one of those things more wonderful than, than, than we can really try to try to figure out in our finite minds. So Eliaphaz was one of the three men that said, Job, listen to me. Your suffering comes from your sins. And they were wrong. Right. They were wrong. I can't only imagine how how much that must have affected Job's going through it. Job's lost his children. Job's lost all of his possessions. Job's suffering painful boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, right? Job's wife is not comforting him and there's there's he's and and now he's being blamed for it. Now he's being accused of receiving 
justice, I suppose. That that must have really you know talk about adding insult to injury, right? Must have, that it really pushed Job over the edge. Job was doing pretty good until they started really accusing him, and then it pushed him to a place to feel like he had to defend himself, and and he really should have chosen his battles better than that. But listen to this. God's talking to Eliaphaz now. I guess he was the ringleader. And he says, Eliaphaz, I'm mad at you. My wrath is kindled against thee. Right? Eliaphaz, let me tell you something. You came by and started pointing your finger at him and started accusing him. You brought more pain into his life. He was already hurting. And God was angry at that. God sees your struggle. God sees the people that bring that burden to you, that accuse you. I know the Bible says the devil is the accuser of the brethren, but he uses people. Amen. He sees the persecution. He sees when you're trying to just do all you can do to do right. And, and people are lying about you. People are are adding insult to your injuries. There's always someone there. And God says, I'm, I'm angry at that. Eliaphaz, I want you to know something. My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends. If you have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job, Job hath. Job is repenting. Job is saying, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said those things. I, 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 I spoke of things that I didn't understand, and I, I hate what I've done. I, I, I'm so sorry. I, I, I turned from that. I repent in that. And, and as the friends are just standing there, just not saying a word, and he says, you... You don't have anything to say? Well, therefore, take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. They're not offering it to Job. But he says, I want you to come and I want you to make a sacrifice to me. And my servant Job shall pray for you. For him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, in that ye have not spoken of me the thing which is right, like my servant Job. So Eliaphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, Zophar the Neamathite, went and did according as the Lord commanded them. The Lord also accepted Job. And then we read that the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. The Lord gave him twice as much as he had before. God has us, his people, here today for such a time as this. God knows what's going on in the world today. God knows the need. He sees what the enemy's doing and he is raising a people that know how to pray. That know how to bind together and get a job done. Too often we have allowed the enemy to divide and conquer. Too often in our, may I say, righteousness or maybe self-righteousness, we have lived our lives, but we have lived them so distant from working together as the team, as the army that God is raising up in this day. Amen. Brother, Dave said something about chatting with me 
uh, this morning and and Becca kind of talked a little bit about something he said, uh, well, said something very similar. He was talking about his testimony with this man and he was, I guess they got talking and the man was, was saying there's a lot of Christians and churches that he's been in and if you're honest with yourself, they're really not any different than just anybody else. And Dave said, that's my testimony. I saw that. I was raised in a religious kind of setting and I knew people, what they were like on Sunday, and then what they were like on Monday. There ought to be a change. There ought to be something better in us. Not that we are better, but that God in us is better and has made something better out of us. Amen. And I'll tell you, what: when the better really shows up is when times get tough. Because anybody can act good when things are going right. But in an army, we're still all different. We still all have our quirks and we still all have our, our ways we look at things maybe differently. But we've all are joined with a purpose. A lot of people talk about unity. And most of the people that complain about unity aren't really even talking about unity. They're talking about something that, that's never going to happen. Everybody's seeing it your way. Amen. Everybody doing it the way you like. There's going to be inconveniences. There's going to be accidents, mistakes, misunderstandings. Because we are people. But we're joined together in unity under a purpose. A purpose that supersedes all of our feelings and all of our personal thoughts about what we like and discomforts. And just saying, okay, God. What, what do you want us to do? I want to, be, I want to beat the devil down. Amen. I want to see somebody delivered from addiction. I want to see somebody help that, that's, that has no help and see hope. Amen. I want to do something for your kingdom. Amen. But the devil has done a very good job of getting us that when problems happen, and problems will happen, that people just lose their minds. They act like, well, I can't believe it. What do you mean you can't believe it? You do the same thing to other people. You drive them crazy. (laughs) Amen. We all are just flesh and blood, but God's spirit in us helps us transcend that for a greater cause. Amen. That's why the Bible talks about forgiveness. It also talks about forbearance to to just put up with some things, to deal with some things. That sometimes you're so caught up in, in, in the, the direction, the, the goal, the directive of what God's kingdom is all about that you're, you're, you don't have time to worry about a lot of other, anybody else's business. You're not getting caught up in a lot of things that, that really aren't going to amount to a whole lot. But sometimes things get tough. Amen. The devil tries so hard to, to divide us. Sometimes problems do happen. Sometimes there are, are what well, Jesus talked about it. Where is it? In, I think Matthew 18, he talks about when a brother sins against a brother. It happens in church. There's a lot of problems that happen in church. A lot of problems that because we are flesh and we are weak, sometimes uh, we stumble and And it affects other people. 
And that needs to be the time when we show, we show that we are different. Not that problems don't happen, but how we get back up. How we make things right. Amen. When I saw this, I thought, wow, what a challenge. What if when I have hurt a brother, when I have done a sister wrong, and I recognize, I've read the book of Job. God's not happy about that. When you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Right? What if I recognize I may have made God very unhappy. I may have even kindled his wrath. If you want to get all King James on me. (laughs) I may have got out of favor with God. You know what God did? God put their forgiveness into Job's hands. Amen. He didn't say, hey, you make that right with me. He said, you go and have him pray for you. Can you imagine the kind of humility it would take and the kind of healing that would take place? If I hurt somebody and I knew I did them wrong and I knew that 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 I need to make it right. And I knew that it was God's heart that I wanted to get right with and that it was so important to the kingdom of heaven that I went to my brother and I said, I'm sorry. I did you wrong. Will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? Well, hallelujah. How, 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 how right do you want to be? Say, so, well, Pastor, I think maybe, maybe you're just kind of making something that's out of something that's not really there. We'll turn to James, fifth chapter. See what, see what it says there. James five. What if we took reconciliation? I know we put a lot of pressure, and and I'm not saying it shouldn't be there. We put a lot of pressure on the forgiver, and right. We need to forgive or else we won't be forgiven. We need to, to be right or we're going to carry that grudge around. Amen. But what if the one that did the hurting didn't just take that for granted and say, hey, sorry, now it's up to you to forgive or else you're in trouble. But what if the one that did the hurting, did the sinning, said, I want to make sure God is not upset with me. And I want to make sure that healing takes place. I'm going to humble myself and say, will you pray for me? Look what it says here in James 5. Is there any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. Amen? Amen. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now, like I said, I don't believe that every time you're sick, every time you have a problem, 
that that means that somehow there is uh, sin in your life. But if there is, if it is chastisement, God says there's a way to be forgiven. And then he goes on and says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. We quoted this earlier. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Confess your faults one to another. I just don't know that. This certainly isn't about a confessional booth. But, you know, John talks about praying for one another that our sins would be forgiven as well. He says there's a sin unto death. I'm not saying you can pray about that. But I wonder if all these con- the context of all this is being able to say, hey, I want you to pray for me because I know. I know I sinned. I know I displeased God when I hurt you. You know, we we sometimes take sins that we sin against God so so heavily and so we should. But we don't think about when I quoted that verse about when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. Amen. We don't recognize that God takes that personally sometimes. Well, God takes that personally. Forgive me for adding the sometimes. He does. Confess your faults one to another. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I wonder how many people would be repeat offenders of gossip if they came and said, you know what? Oh, I, never mind. See, God's been bothering me all night long. I, I know I shouldn't have spoke about you. And I did. And it was wrong. I don't know if I could hold a grudge if somebody said, pray for me. Because, you know what? That would bring healing. That would bring healing. You say, well, are you talking about physical healing? Talking about chastisement that is sickness? I'm talking about healing to the body of Christ. I'm talking about healing that sometimes never really happens in the church body because we just bury wounds. Rather than really humble ourselves and say, I know I was wrong. Amen. Not this, I know I was wrong, but. I know I was wrong, but what you know. Will you pray for me? Hallelujah. That ye may be healed. Heard somebody talk here recently. Well, well, not so recently, you know, the other day. (laughs) That uh, talk about the whole prison system and just how it's kind of like time out for adults people sit and they don't feel like they're really really paying a price for anything they just get resentful a lot of times and they're not really you know obviously the days of work uh you know chain gangs and things like that most places are done but sitting around just stewing about how messed up things are rarely really causes any kind of rehabilitation. And there's been studies on that that I'm not going to bore you with. But, you know, I I really feel sometimes that if we could feel like that, that burden has been lifted, that time of prayer, that time of, of in the presence of God, that I recognize it's not just me saying sorry and, and trying to get out of something. I want to be healed. I want the hurt that I've caused to be, Lifted. I want you to be healed. 
Amen. That we recognize, we recognize the damage that's done by sin. Amen. It takes humility. It really would take humility to really be able to say, hey, I want to say, I'm sorry. God said, hey, Eliaphaz, get your friends over there. Bring your sacrifice. And Job's going to pray for you. And then everything's going to be all right. Oh, how we need to pray for one another. We really need to pray for one another. I guess the bottom line, I don't know that. I, I struggle with this because when I saw it, I thought, you know, and I wonder how many people really could humble themselves like that and say, listen, I'm not only sorry. Can we pray? I want you to pray for me because I really want to make right. And I want God to be right with this. And I want I want to be healed. I want you to be healed. You hear me? I, I, I prayed, I struggled with that, saying, God, is, is this really something that, that, that you think anybody would ever really take seriously? But I thought, Lord, if I can just get us to look at the, the damage that sin can cause and how much we really need to be looking toward building up the, the, the unity of, of the people of God, how that happens. Amen. To really see that things will happen. There will be problems. Amen. Hey, you, you look at it, whether it's Moses or Jesus himself. There were, there were things that need to be straightened out. We don't have to just lose our minds and, and, and get farther and farther pulled apart. But we can learn and grow together and overcome things if we let God work in us. If we don't allow ourselves to, to just, just take for granted our place, but recognize that our actions affect the unity, affect the spirit of God, the spirit of revival, the work of God that, that needs to move forward. And if I hurt somebody, I want to make that right. If I hurt somebody, I, I want to be given a chance to say, hey, I'm sorry. I want to be able to humble myself. Well, praise God. I appreciate Sister Ashley you talking about just the struggle with, with that. I've been there where, where I just, Lord, I know there's a community. I know there's people hurting. I know there's a lot of people out there that just take advantage of situations and circumstances and you hand them a dollar and that's just another dollar for drugs or whatever. I get that. And I want to, I want to, I want to show love and compassion. And I've prayed with people. I've bought them meals. I've done everything I know to do, uh, in just really letting God work and trying to obey him in that and, and, uh, asking God to open those doors, asking God to lead. I feel like this is another area that I, I want so much to see in my own life and to see it grow in other people's lives. How to handle when somebody sins against another brother. How to handle when there are real problems and not make a bigger mess out of things. To be mindful of God's heart and what God thinks. To be mindful of the mission that the church has in this last day. And how there is no getting around the fact that there will be struggles and stumblings and, and, and wounds that happen in church. That doesn't mean a bunch of hypocrites and nobody's right. It just means it's an opportunity to make things right and grow stronger through that. It can be that if you let it. 
But I really do believe, listen to me, what I really feel like God is trying to do is recognize, God, are there hurts, are there wounds that have just kind of laid there in my heart that have never really been taken care of? God, help me. Help me to humble myself and realize that I want my brother to be right. I want my sister to be right. I I don't want there to be something that I I know there's been times already. I've talked to people. I remember early, 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 and maybe maybe year one of my ministry. I remember a man coming to church. I was so excited to see him. And uh, I I knew him somewhat. And I knew he had come to this church for years and had been used in this church for years. And he came in. I was so excited to see him. And some of his family was with him. They had been through hard, hard times. And then their family was ripped apart in some ways and and i sat down with him and 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 he began to just tell me just just come at me with so many things after the service and and i said sir i didn't do any of those things to you that was somebody else and they don't even they're not even alive you're fighting you're you're angry and bitter against ghosts people that have gone on you need to get right you need to be right there's things that can hold us back from 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 feeling God like we need to, from being used to God like we need to, because sometimes God needs a chance to bring that healing. Can we bow our heads in prayer, please? Oh, hallelujah. I, I, I know probably more than what you think about just just how many challenges there are in preaching something like this because a lot of us have come from really difficult situations either families or hurt from church both of those leave some scars both of those really can do some damage but god can bring some healing i said god can bring some healing I understand and have a lot of patience because I know what God's done for me. And when I see somebody that's struggling because somebody has done them so dirty, and they might have been ministry or family, and I see that struggle laying underneath the surface coming through, I, I get that. I, I, I know that that that's tough to overcome but with God all things are possible sometimes it's just so hard to to overcome because there's not going to be that hey I'm sorry I hurt you pray for me from that one that's done you wrong but oh if we could be different if we could be humble If we could let God heal us and work toward growing together to to do the work of God in this last day. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, listen to me. I know I can see it a mile away because I live there. I've been there, but God, by his mercy and grace, has brought healing. What about you? I want to tell you today, God can heal you of the hurt that you've been through. 
and help you not to repeat it to somebody else if you'll humble yourself. Listen to me. As your pastor, I know you're not going to be perfect always. I know there's going to be situations. You you try your best and you fall short or you get caught up and you fail. There's a way to make things right that brings healing. But you got to be willing to be humble. Be able to say, God, your children. I hurt you, Lord, when I hurt your bride. And I don't want to continue down that path. I don't want to. Lord, to upset you, God, I want to make things right and I want healing. I want to be a a vessel of healing. I want to be a vessel that brings help to those that have been hurt. And God, if I've hurt somebody, I want to I want to help them be healed. Oh, hallelujah. Can we find a place to pray, church?